0: I always sit down because I feel like it's unfair for me to have to stand when you're all sitting so um, Fair wonderful. hey, when I got the email um i think I think that's how I was invited to come and speak it really uh, one thing f- came to mind first and foremost, and that was, oh poor coast i didn't know things had gotten that bad, you know like <laughs> oh i'm so sorry, you know and and starting the winter collective, but I wanted to start by just sort of saying a little bit about who I am. I was born and raised in a very small town in the east coast of America called um, the town I grew up in was Strasburg, but Pennsylvania. If anyone anyone know where Pennsylvania is, yeah, yep, yeah, great. Um, so very very historic. I think the town that I grew up in was was founded around 1770, around that point. Um, very much, anyone heard of Amish? I'm an Amish man from a long way away from home. But my, my parents grew up and my grandparents were very, very conservative Mennonite um, from the Mennonite sort of tradition. They didn't quite have um, horse and carriages but, but very, very close. My, my, both my grandmothers you know, made their own clothing, wore the bonnets. Um, yeah, so very different from, from here. Huge families. My mom is one of twelve children. My dad is one of nine. I have hundreds of first and second cousins, and and of them, I am the only one who does not live in America, and most of which don't actually that still actually live in that Pennsylvania area. So, for, so my Waka has blown way off course. Like I am. Way, 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 um, and as the story normally goes, it is it is love, it is Aroha who that brought me here in the form of my beautiful wife Angela. Um, she's a fielding girl, born and raised. She loves that, you know, proud fielding girl. Woohoo! Uh, I'm going to be in trouble for that. Um, yeah, we have we have three children. We have Samuel, our our oldest. He's 23. Pause for the gasps of surprise that I could be so young, look so young and have a 23-year-old son. We have a daughter, Anna, who's 21, and a son, Ethan. Who's who's 19, and then as of six months ago, I've got a six-month-old, um, well, six-month-old, yeah, son-in-law named Keegan. So Keegan and Anna got married in in November, I think it was, yeah. So that's that's our family. That's a little bit about who who I am. Work-wise, as Stanley said, we we pastor Maharangi Vineyard Church. I should say lead, because my accent makes it sound like I pester them, but but yeah, it is it is both could be true. We live in Algies Bay, which is just an incredible place for someone who's grown up um, hours and hours and hours away from the sea to be able to walk out and, or wake up and, and see the ocean every day is, is an incredible privilege. And we've been leading that church for about 13 years. Um, and so I just really wanted to start by saying, my countdown clock isn't going, so I'm going to... That's not what I wanted to start by saying, but... Um, <laughs> There we go. Oh, look, I've gained some time. That's right. I wanted to start by saying genuinely what you guys are doing as far as allowing space and being gracious for for this season of sabbatical is really, really commendable. I think, you know, it really speaks very highly of, of a group of people who, who honour and actually care for their leaders to, to make that space, to make that, to have that grace for, like, having to have randoms like Lyndon come and speak, you know, like, that really does mean something, and, it, and I think, well done, so well done, you guys, I, I mean that genuinely, it is incalculable the benefits that this season will have for, for Matt and Jacinda, so, um, you know, and you guys are to thank for that. So excellent, well done. All right. Hey, you know, on times like this, I kind of always have. I love to speak in the context of of um, series and kind of things flowing through. But but on the odd occasion where something like this happens, I kind of pull from. Uh, you know, a little bit melodramatic, it might be my heritage, but I love to do, I imagine thinking like, what are my life messages? What are those things that, you know, like if this was the last time you ever got to hear me speak, you can celebrate, you know? No. Um, Something to leave you with. And and I have a few of them, or I have a couple of them anyway. One, One particularly is generosity. Like generosity for me is just A way of life. I just think we cannot go wrong as people living generous lives, living open handed, open hearted lives, being generous with with how we view people, being generous as the way with our money, with our time, with our energy. That's not what I'm going to talk about, though. Another one is is what we were thinking about when we think when we sang that song about running. To me, uh, I always think back to one of the stories that Jesus told in, in the Bible, where about about we well we would call it the prodigal son. But I love the fact that it's reworded the running father. Do you know, you've heard of that you've heard of that so that being the fact that the whole point of that story or or the main focus of that story is not on the sun or the, or the older son, or the younger one. If you want to know what God is like, read that story. Dig into that story. Like, press in. Know that, that the father in that story that runs after his son, who embraces him, who doesn't even let the words out of his mouth to say all about all of the things I've done wrong, who restores him before he even got a chance to open his mouth. That's what God is like. That's not what I'm going to talk about either. So... Um, so this morning, actually, what I want to do is my, is my third sort of life um, kind of message that, that I'd love to think about. And, and as a little bit of a, a filter, if, I, if you can, is when I talk about you, I'd love for you to try to filter and call to mind you as in, yes, you, your family, who you are. But also, if you could, try to filter through you as in you. Coast Vineyard. I don't know, do you guys use that word, that kind of the context of family when you consider this gathering? Like, like think of you as in all of you. Those, all of you are here, but all those who, who aren't here either. Um, and, and I think that will give you a whole lot more, more sort of context. I, I love the fact that, um, if we can put that first slide up, I'm going to be reading from, from Philippians, so if you've got a Bible, um, you know those old paper books, you know, or if you have a device with a Bible on it, we're going, to, we're going to be in Philippians this morning, and I think we have it up there already. And the idea, and Philippians is a book of the Bible written by a guy named Paul. He's probably the the major contributor to the New Testament, and Paul is is writing this letter to to the church that he founded or planted in this place called Philippi. Can we show? Can I show you the map? Sorry. So so this is a, a modern-day Google map. Paul didn't have a car, so it would have taken him well more than 20 hours and 17 minutes to get there. But you can see Rome, which was the center of the world in this first century. So Paul planted this church around 50, 55 um, A.D., early, you know, sort of mid-first mid, mid first century. And so that was his missionary trip. That road, when you, you cross over... Um, and we get over into the eastern part of of well, excuse me the northern part of Greece. Um, that is the Ignatian Way, or the um, the Via Ignatia, or the Ignatian Way. That road is still visible in many parts of along the way. And so, so Philippi is the eastern stretch of what is the Roman Empire. Sort of gone off notes. But, you know, it's a, it's a matter of how many people have lived in Arewa for a while. Yep. Remember when to get north or from north to get to Auckland, you had to go through Arewa. You know, you had to go through on the road. That's very much like Philippi was on the way. There was, there was lots of coming and going through Philippi. And so what that meant as a church is they were, um, they were a broad mix of people. There were people there who who were there before Rome came, and then there were there were lots of roman ex Roman soldiers. It was a broad mix of people. I went out and stood out in the foyer today, very much like us today. What else brings us all together? We are so different we've different backgrounds different different worldviews. We vote differently on on election day we We have all sorts of different things, and yet there is something, there is something that brings us together, Jesus. And so very much like all of us was the Philippian church. And so I'm going to pick up reading in Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. And so Paul's writing this to this church, a church in which he really loves you know, he, there is so much goodwill between Paul and the Philippian church and vice versa. And so he says, I'm not implying that I have already received resurrection. And what he's, what he's using there is if you go back a couple of other verses in verse 10, he's talking about Knowing Jesus, knowing Christ, knowing him in resurrection and partnering with him in his suffering. So he says, not that I've already received the resurrection or that I've already become complete or mature. No, I'm hurrying on, eager to overtake it because, of, because King Jesus has overtaken me. My dear family, I, have, I don't reckon that I have yet overtaken it, but this is my one aim to forget everything that's behind and to strain every nerve to go after what is ahead. I mean to chase on toward the finishing post where the prize awaiting me is the upward call of God in King Jesus. Thinking like this is what maturity is all about. If you think differently about it, God will reveal this to you as well i.e. you're wrong and you'll eventually realize I was right, is what he's trying to say. Love, Paul. Only let's be sure to keep in line with the positions that we have reached. You know, like I said, Paul, well, if you may or may not know, Paul is actually writing this letter from prison. Theologians are argue which prison it was. I don't think it actually matters. Being in prison is being in prison, isn't it? It really isn't probably something a hill to die on, but so he's writing this from a prison somewhere. And like I said, he really, really loves this group of people, and they really love him. And there are some really big themes that run through the entire book uh, or the entire letter um, that Paul is writing to his people. And these themes are really what makes this letter, which was written thousands of years ago to a different group of people, it is those themes or those threads that run all the way through that mean and make what we're about, what we've just read, really applicable to us, to you today as a church family, and you're in your inner um trying to follow Jesus, working together, being so different and yet having a common goal. Um, it's what makes it. Makes it so applicable to us today, and some of those themes are joy. I'm not going to talk too much about that today, or at all, actually. But but joy, as in Paul writes it, not when everything is going well, but joy in the midst of very difficult circumstances. The fact that you could write a letter which has a major theme of joy while in prison is is quite extraordinary. One of the other big themes is, is this idea of, of partnership. Paul talks and, and encourages this church and encourages you, encourages us to partner. Partner with one another and partner with Jesus. He also has this incredibly difficult tension that runs through this entire book of being people of unity and people of holiness. And that is really, really hard to do. It's easy to break the tension and be a people of unity, i.e., hey, whatever, whatever you believe is fine. We're just going to carry on. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, we, we'll just... Your truth is your truth and we'll carry on together. That's a lot easier than, than if you try to hold the tension of, of unity and holiness. The idea that holiness is... And, and we have a lots of different... Way, ways to think about that but one of the probably the most beneficial ways is actually holiness and what we do matters do you know like who we are on on monday morning what we're like in our workplaces who we are in school who how we run our businesses those things really do matter that's kind of that idea of holiness. And so, so he's talking about, about, as a people, we need, to, we need to be, you need to be, I need to be, a people that hold those things in tension. So what do we do when someone behaves in a way that we actually think, that does not speak of who Jesus is? Again, we can cut the tension and say, oh, well, you're out. But that's not what scripture invites us into. And then finally, there is this this, um, theme that runs all the way through this book of Philippians and is that, that father heart or mother heart that Paul has for these people. And I think that he has for us in that he is over and over and over again inviting them into to keep going, to keep moving, not to give up, not to stop, But to move forward, you know, this this morning's text and in many many ways is an extension of, if you're you're familiar with this this letter in Philippians, can be stretched, that thread of this morning what we read can be stretched all the way back to the very beginning of the letter in verse 6, which is, of this I am convinced, this is Paul writing in in chapter 1 verse 6, And this is kind of one that we'll all remember. I'm sure we've posted in our Instagram posts many a time. The one thing, the one thing, the one, excuse me, the one who began a good work in you will thoroughly complete it on the day of King Jesus. Remember that? Did you post that? Come on, pass up. And it's this idea that Paul is reminding them, reminding us 2,000 years plus later, that we are all part of a bigger story, that our life is a story. We have a story in our, in our own life, but, but Coast Vineyard has a story, and your story is part of Maharangi Vineyard's story, which is part of, of the story of the church, the big sea church. I recently speaking of you know sort of social media, I have a real love hate relationship with it. I you know go through seasons of spending way too much time on it and then, and then sort of purge seasons where I purge myself of its pure evil and then I, um, and then I get sucked back in but recently um, I had seen a post where someone had put on um, a quote from a a church leader about, from about 150 years ago, and and they were using the quote as an indictment on today's. Kind of faith church culture. They obviously had seen something they didn't like, and so they used this quote from about 150 years ago to as an indictment to where, where, the way things were going. And so I made the terrible mistake of clicking onto it and starting to read the comments. Did you ever do that? And you think, oh, why, why have I done this? And so I read the comment, and the first comment was, "Wow." you 'll sense in my tone the sarcasm, wow, um, so prophetic you know like they were sort of they thought this was incredible that and and really maybe maybe the, the person was prophetic, but to be honest if you if you know the story of the church, if you know the the history of church, there really wasn 't much there, there, it really didn't, it didn't need prophecy to get there. As a story, we have in our church story, we go through cycles and patterns. you aware of that? Like, like there is nothing new under the sun. Um, we, we tend to sort of, a bit like as people too, you, you sort of cling to something like a few, or getting ready for the wedding. I went through a cycle of like eating really good like like and, and exercising a lot cuz i wanted to be a good looking father of the bride walking down the aisle and 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 now that cycle has swung to heading to the donut shop and who cares, the wedding's over, you know, and it's heading into winter, so I've got baggy shirts to cover everything. And so, um, you know, but, but the church has done that. We've, we've swing from one to another. And some of the swings we've done is, is sort of looking at, you know, we can be so heavy into swing over to this point of fo- overemphasizing the idea of getting saved. And hear me, that's not... That's not a bad thing. But when we swing so far into getting saved, or we can swing so far into going to heaven one day when we die. I I love, I have a massive, massive um, love of music. And it it goes across many, many genres of music. Um, One of which is I love old country bluegrass hymns. A couple of look. There's a couple of sheepish country music fans. We'll have a ministry time for us later. But um, but if you, if you ever want to test my theory, is have a listen to the theology of some of those country music songs, and you realize, man, we swing like there's there's a real big swing in some of the some of the things that we're um, we believe, and so. Paul is not talking about those swings. He's talking about the messy in between of getting saved, of encountering Jesus, and one day entering into eternity with him. And there is a big messy in between that Paul is talking about that I'd love to encourage us in this morning. And, and this, it's this idea of thinking about, of the, the thinking about, the practicing, the falling down and the getting back up again of maturity, of completion. One of these translations, probably if you have a different one, talks about Paul saying Me, um, reaching perfection. And, and that idea of perfection is just that. It's not about being perfect. It's about reaching a completion And, you know, God is in the business and in the practice of partnering with us. That's one of those themes that go through to discover and to experience. Again, think of you, but think of all of you. God is in the business of partnering with you in what it means to, to be mature, to experience humanity, to experience all that is Coast Vineyard and all that that means in your communities, in your neighborhood as he intended. The beautifulness of what it is to be a human being, that's God wants to partner with you in that. And, and we see that in the model of Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate example. And God's aim is not for us to be, he's not in the business of creating puppets. He's in the business of creating people. The fact that we are all different speaks of who he is, of what he's like. And it is that very aim of discovering what it is to be fully human that leads us to a very commonly asked question a philosophical question of really what is the meaning of life i told you this is going to be a big life lesson you know like it doesn't get any bigger than that and and it's not a new question it's people have been asking that of themselves all the way through what is the meaning of life what is the goal of my life Okay, so what is the goal of the life of Coast Vineyard? And, and so the Philippian church, they were asking those same questions. And in Paul's time, in that early first century, Aristotle, anyone heard of Aristotle, the philosopher? He answered the question by using a Greek word, and I'm going to, it's eudaimonia. And I'm going to do a really, really brief um, sort of definition of what that means. But it's, it's the idea of Aristotle's answer to what is the meaning or the goal of life. And eudaimonia is, can be translated into a happiness. That is the meaning or goal of life. Now, we can think of happiness as being very shallow, and that's not what he meant. He meant, when he's talked about happiness, a deep, settled contentment of being of truly experiencing all that being a human had to offer. And the way of achieving that, as Aristotle would say, would be to to work out your your humanity by achieving a set of virtues, of going after, of, of doing, I guess we could say the hard work of of finding out what humanity is all about. And these virtues, the, really the tradition of, of Aristotle and those that have come all the way through today, still today, um, that idea or that pursuit of virtue was always a singular sport. We've got that photo up on here. Got a great example of it. Um, this boat, my house is just over there. This boat has been sitting there for five and a half to six years, not moving. And, and so what that is, is the house directly behind a, a new family moved in about six years ago, and a multi-generational family, and the father, who um, I think he must have been in his 70s at least, um, having, I guess, being inspired by moving into Algees Bay, thought, I need to buy a boat. And so he did, from a neighbor further down the street, and having never, ever... Ever been on a sailboat before? Bought that boat, went around the corner, put it into the water, and started sailing. And started going, and going, and going. At what point he realized he didn't know how to turn around, I'm not sure. But needless to say, the Coast Guard were involved, a rescue mission was sent out, and, and he was rescued and brought back in, and that is exactly where the boat has been left ever since. <laughs> I wanted to grab it. They're, they're kind of a holiday people at the moment, so normally you can't see the wheels for the long grass. Um, there's moss all over it. But there's this idea, you know, the danger we have in trying to do this journey alone is just as, if not more dangerous than that. Is that when we set out thinking we're going we're to follow this pathway, we're going to go on this journey of maturity and completion, when we try to do it alone, we end up in many ways just as sidelined, just as out of the context of where we're meant to be as that boat sitting right next to the footpath. You know, for, for Paul, and really for Jesus, and for all of us, the traditions that follow, follow them and follow him, this, this pursuit of, of virtue, the practice, the hard work, the messiness of pursuing maturity. Um, there's one major difference, is that in the tradition that we follow as Jesus followers, that is always a team sport. We are never, ever invited into pursuing maturity of chasing after completion on our own. You know, that is what you are all about. We we are invited into a team sport. You know, and if you're, if you're not convinced, just look throughout scriptures. What are, what are our goalposts? Or if I'm going to use Aristotle's words, what are our, the virtues that we're called to pursue, to follow after? What, what are the things that we're meant to wrestle with, that are meant to identify us as, as followers of Jesus, as people who are pursuing maturity? It's love for one another. You know, have you ever noticed how often... The New New Testament reminds us to love one another. Do you know why that is? Because you're very hard to love. Aren't we? Don't look at anyone too long. Don't give any eye contact too long. I love being able to do this. I I, I couldn't say that in my own church. or I would have to look down or otherwise someone would be worried that I'd be looking at them too long when I said it. I don't know many of you, so I can look anywhere. But, but it's to love one another. It's to have patience with one another. That's the virtue that Scripture always be patient with one another. Again, you, you only need patience when people are not doing what you want them to do or going in ways you don't want You know, like, like that's what we're called to do. You need other people to be patient, to practice patience. Kindness, you know, we're invited into this virtue of kindness because it's, it's a, it takes a lot to be kind to one another. Generosity. Again, our goal is to keep going, but to keep going together. I've got a video, I'd love it if we could, we could put that up. I think we have sound. So, this remember a few months ago where we all became huge sailing experts. Remember that? Remember when we all knew what it was all about? Do we not have any sound? So, Anyone remember this race? Probably the highlight of the America's Cup, eh? Hey, yeah, not so much. Um, we got a little bit. So this is the point in, I think it was race six, maybe, um, where, where we were within a few, I think, sort of within 10 meters uh, or so of, of overtaking and then hit this patch of wind, and, and everything stopped. I can remember myself, I'm a little bit of a defeatist. I thought, here we go again, eh? It's all over. You know, this is it. We're going to lose all the rest of the races. It's going to be a repeat of everything terrible and bad that's happened before. And, and so, um, yeah, and so we sat. And they carried on, yeah. Well, we'll we'll leave it there, actually. And so um, we all know what happened. We all know that that you know everyone on that boat, or no one on that boat, gave up. That just as intense as when they were winning was so their intensity and their drivenness, their single-eyedness as when they were sitting dead in the water and, their, and the other boat was carrying on, screaming way ahead, that no one on that boat at any time gave up. And there's something really amazing. It's really the title of my message. Is Peter Berling said something in the, in the comms of when they were sort of just kind of regrouping. And he said this, it's a long race, boys. It's a long race. Can I remind you, Coast Vineyard, that you're in a long race? That for, for all of us, we, we are in this long race. And there's something else that goes on in the background behind it, which, which I really want to use as probably the, the springboard for our, um, our ministry time this morning. So maybe if, if the guys want to come up behind me, is, is in the background of, the, of that video, you can hear the commentators, and there's one particular commentator, and of course it had an American accent, you know, like, oh, man. And he's going in the background saying, big mistake, oh, big mistake, oh, man, I, big mistake. And, 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 I, and I just sort of thought, man, this is so true in life. You know, we, we all have those inner commentators, and probably the cruelest of our commentators are the ones that are in our head, reminding us of those times, reminding us of the big mistakes of life. You know, I just want to remind you as as a church family, there is nothing that you have done that has earned you the right to be in this boat. And equally, there is nothing you've done that exempts you or kicks you out of this boat. And this boat needs you to do you 100%. You know, this boat needs all of you to to keep, as Paul said, every nerve fixed on of running toward Jesus, of following Jesus, of not giving up of not being overwhelmed by the situations and circumstances that you're in you know he says forgetting paul said forgetting everything that lies behind everything that's happened for paul in his context he would have been talking about he was very he was very proud he he paul was the superstar of his day you know, he was a Jew. He, was a, he had everything in his basket. He was the top of the top. And he's saying all of that means nothing in following Jesus. It has, it has no value. And equally, all of the things that we, we maybe be ashamed of or where we've come from or, or, or the falling down, none of that means anything because we're invited to get up again. So, why don't we stand? Just in, in praying for you guys in, in sort of coming this morning, I, I really thought I would love to invite um, those of you in, in one way who, who, like that commentator, have had this voice in your head saying, oh, big mistake, like, oh, what have you done? Why, why, have you did, why did you do that? You know, and, and I know for myself, I've I've had a journey of really wrestling, um, for most of my adult life with, with fear and that idea, or that sort of that that voice that says you're you're not enough, that that this you know it's not going to work. And so I would love, particularly, to just really to pray with you for you if if you have been. If you have been um, kind of really wrestling with that inner, inner critic that wants to say that, you know, your race is over, I'd love you to respond maybe, and I know it takes lots of bravery to do it, um, but just coming forward. And, and I know there's lots of people who'd love to pray with you as well. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Orewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.